imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Welcome back to Imposing Grandeur Radio. I'm here with Alexa and Avery, and today's topic is God as Jealous. (laughs) But Annie, isn't that a sin? Well, Alexa. Jealousy? I know, I know. Scandalous. We'll talk about that later in the episode. But as always, we got to start by defining what we mean by jealous. Um. I know jealousy is typically associated with envy, which is a want or desire for something somebody else has, whether it's a possession, an attribute, um, something along those lines. And we know that Exodus 25 says that God is a jealous God. But then in Galatians 5, it warns the Christian against jealousy. So knowing our definition, Well, I guess, do any of y'all have anything else you want to add to the definition before we jump in? Is jealousy a sin? Um, I have something that I found from Desiring God that says, Jealousy when referring to God is not the same definition we use in our culture. Jealousy captures God's ardent commitment to bring glory to himself, as well as his command that we, his followers, not compromise our exclusive consecration to him. In scripture, divine jealousy reflects God's love, but it is not... It is an intolerant love, a love that will not permit his glory to be muddied by his people's idolatry. All right. Thank you, Avery. I like that definition of lot, a definition a lot. It really paints a picture between what human jealousy is and um, God's jealousy, which we will differentiate more about that later on. But I want to talk about is jealousy a sin? Because like I mentioned in Galatians 5, It warns against uh, jealousy by saying, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, and jealousy. And then goes on to list a few more things. And then Genesis 37, we know that um, Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. Romans 13 also warns against jealousy. 2 Corinthians 12.20 and James 3.14. So the New Testament obviously paints this picture of jealousy as a deadly sin. How is God's jealousy different from our jealousy? Well, first of all, you kind of alluded to it, Annie. Um, People sometimes have trouble thinking that jealousy is even a desirable attribute in God. And that is because for us, jealousy has this negative connotation for right reasons, because Usually when we think of the word jealousy, we're thinking it in regards to our own honor as human beings. And in that sense, it's almost always wrong because we are not called to be proud, but we're called to be humble. But then it has us ask the question, why is pride even a bad thing? Like why, what says something is good and something isn't good? Well, we do not deserve the honor that belongs to God alone. And I think that's the foundation of this entire argument. Um, 
So jealousy attributed to God does not imply this conflict of character. But when God is jealous, it's different from humans because he does deserve all the honor as opposed to us. But when God is jealous, it is out of his divine love in which he does not permit anyone to soil their loyalty to him because he deserves all honor. So it's truly a beautiful natural outflow of his love. And I'm sure we're going to delve more into that in the future of this podcast. But I think that gives us a good ground of knowing what is honorable and what isn't honorable, who is in deservance of honor and who isn't. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven two, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. So here we see that this jealous is good. This is a good sense of jealousy and scripture uses it to talk about a husband to a wife, which is the church to Christ. And um, God has given us a really good earthly example of righteous jealousy, which is a husband and wife. If a wife is um, flirting or committing acts of adultery with another man, that husband has rights to be jealous over his wife. And um, we see this imagery played out in 2 Corinthians, like I just read, where Paul talks about the church to Christ. But Desiring God had a really good point when talking about quote unquote, righteous jealousy as compared to like sinful jealousy. And there are scenarios where we can be jealous if our intentions are for God's name, if his fame is being, if Christians are partaking in idolatry. Um, But desiring God says we are, it is not envious and we do not act out of that jealousy in sinful ways. We are given weapons of righteousness, the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit. And so I think that is a huge distinction when dealing with earthly jealousy. If it's um, a husband for a wife, a wife for a husband, or the church um, dealing with other church members, that we deal with it in a righteous manner, in a um, humble way, using the gospel and the the sword of the spirit, which is the Bible, and that we don't approach it out of a um, selfishness because we are owed nothing. And if that's where our jealousy is coming from, it is sinful. Um, and Alexa, you also mentioned this jealousy with God is a virtue. It's just so important to remember that it is a virtue when God does it because God has a right to be jealous. God is jealous when someone gives to another something that rightly belongs to him. We are his bride. We are the bride of Christ. And so, um, anyways, does anybody else have anything they want to add about jealousy being a sin and how if it isn't always, how does a Christian behave in a righteously jealous way? Um, I really wanted to add one more thing about how you know God's glory is really what he is jealous for is his own glory. And in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And on this Desiring God um, article I found, John Piper has clarified this statement saying, man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Notice the charge of self selfishness has been turned on its head. If God is the perfect being, someone than whom none greater can be conceived, then he would be selfish to point us to something or someone else for our true joy and eternal happiness. Indeed, he would be unloving. For if he is the supreme being, then the greatest joy and happiness in life can be found in him and him alone. In the end, the most loving thing God can do is require his glory to be foremost in our lives. And that really drove it home for me, just a reminder that God being jealous is not 
you know, our, as we've been saying, our perspective of jealousy here, we naturally are jealous for what our na- our neighbor may have or something that maybe we've wanted for a really long time that God has not given us yet or we are having to be patient for. But ultimately, God would be unloving if he was jealous for our attention, anything other than because he wants us to glorify him because he is owed that glory, not ourselves. Right. And just reiterating like what Avery was saying, um, it would be a sin Jealousy would be a sin if God was not the best. Mm. But that's if there was something greater than him. Um, And that's not the case Mm. here. Because there is nothing greater than God and he is demanding that all honor be towards him. And just like Annie was saying, like the husband having that righteous jealousy for his bride who is in a covenant relationship with him, God deserves all honor. And for us to not give him that honor, that is a righteous jealousy. That only he is able to have that reaction and that characteristic of himself. Yes. And that intolerant love for divine glory and commitment to that glory by his people reflects his holiness. And we've talked about holiness in another podcast. So if you guys would like to go back and, and listen to that, that would be a really good one to pair with this one as well. Yeah, and I would just um, like to reiterate the point, like contrasting God's righteousness or God's righteous jealousy versus our uh, fleshly jealousy. I have a really good example just from my own life. Um, About a year and a half ago, I really struggled with intense jealousy, and it was considerably, probably to the world, a righteous thing. It was ministry-related. I was jealous that other people, my friends, were given ministries that I was not given at that time. And um, the Proverbs, I believe, specifically talks about jealousy or envy rotting the bones. And so even though my jealous desires were technically for something good, it was for ministry, it was rotting my bones. It made me a bitter person. It was one of the hardest sins I've ever had to deal with. So when we say and contrast God's righteous jealousy to our fleshly jealousy, it is, it's not even comparable because even when I am jealous over things that are considered quote unquote good, it rotted my bones. Like it, it consumed me. It was one of the most horrible sins I've ever had to snuff out or by the grace of God, try to snuff out. And um, so that was just a personal story of me. And I know I'm sure we've all experienced it, but let's not take lightly this contrast between, oh, like we can't, it's so easy to be righteously jealous because it's not, it's arguably without Christ impossible. Yeah, that was such a good example, Annie, because I noticed too, I think just in this day and age with having so many people's lives at our fingertips, it's easy for us to feel jealous and not even realize it because we're just scrolling and we're seeing other people's lives. And I think we're subconsciously like, oh, look at what that person's doing or look what they have or they're in that season of life. And I wish I was too. And I was really convicted by um, this really small quote from R.C. Sproul in Table Talk that he said, "Um, selfish ambition is very dangerous. God is God has many good things for us, but often he tells us to be patient. We must be careful not to eye jealously what God freely gives to our neighbors. Going about your daily business with delight for the prosperity and well-being of our neighbor is most difficult. How have you been doing? And I was like, whoa, dang, that is like so convicting because do I actually go about my daily business with delight for the prosperity and well-being of my neighbor? 
not often. And so that's a really humbling thing to do. And I think it's easy to think, oh, I'm not a jealous person. Like I'm content where I am. But when I really do a heart search, I'm like, wow, I probably deal with jealousy daily way more than I realize. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even when you complain, the heart of that is not only discontentment, but jealous for something maybe not some specific person has, but you're jealous and envious of a circumstance that you don't have. And so yeah, that's something to remember too. Um, but anyways, um, so moving on to our next question, is God jealous for me? We all know the popular song, how he loves, where it says he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane, goes on and on. I am a tree. (laughs) um, And so that, that song just got me thinking because you know, it, it kind of paints God's jealousy as this beautiful, romantic, thing but then when you read the scriptures jealousy is always like uh like brought alongside with god's anger or wrath and about how we don't we shouldn't want god to be jealous we should not provoke him to jealousy um it's actually quite frightening if you do a word search about god's jealousy it's always Mm -hmm. about his burning anger his wrath and um and then you think about is he jealous for me? Well, it's like, are you being idolatrous? <laughs> because <laughs> yes, if you are in Christ, he is, but that's not good. That's not something that we should, we shouldn't want God to be, because that means we're sinning if we're provoking God to jealousy. But anyway, so I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on that. Well, I was researching and Spurgeon actually, of course, breaks it down into three specific categories that may be helpful for us to consider. Um, And this might also help us in putting it into our own perspective of how we in our daily lives could be provoking God to jealousy. Um, So this is just really helpful overall. But he argues that God is very jealous of three notable things, and that is our love, our trust, and our company. And so already even um, before I even explain each of these, I want us to untie the knot of presumption at this point, because already we're probably thinking about jealousy in a negative humanistic connotation. So like Becky in eighth grade was jealous of cool kid Nick, had a crush on Nicole and not her and loved her more and trusted her more and enjoyed her company more. But that's not that's not the bedrock of this topic. The bedrock of this topic is that God is worthy of all praise. And so knowing that for us humans to chase after anything else as if it could give us anything more is in and of itself blasphemous. So God is jealous of your love. What does that mean? Why? He chose you. He bought you with his own blood. You are not your own. You do not belong to the world. You are his. Um, God is jealous of your trust because you are his and he is absolutely trustworthy. He does not permit you to trust in anything else. So it's like, for instance, the richest person in the world collecting pennies and relying on the scrap change that they find in the parking lot more than their primary source, but in a much more greater sense. So God is all we could ever, ever need. He is jealous when we seek to not only trust other people, but even rely on our own works and not his all satisfying eternal work. And I know that. I am guilty in that latter part. Like so often I just want to trust in my own efforts and what I can do. And I burn myself out like a car running without oil trying to do it. But then lastly, God is jealous of your company. And so there should be no one whom we converse with so much as with Jesus. So ask yourself this, and I'm asking myself this too. How long do you commune with the world and how long do you commune with God? 
So he wants us to have constant fellowship with him. Why? Because that is our good. Just like Annie was saying, jealousy rots out our bones. We were not created to be jealous beings. And that is evident. We were created to rely on him, to trust him, to have company and communion with him. Not because he's insecure, like some eighth grader who needs your company in order to feel secure and safe but because he knows that this is what we were created for. We were created to seek him, worship him, love him, and him alone. And so it is for our good and his glory. And man, like even after meditating on these three aspects, this should bring us to our knees that he is even jealous in this way. Like, could you imagine if he was a God that was just sitting idly by thinking, oh, there they go again, chasing after idols and worthless scraps on the earth that will never satisfy. I mean, He is an active God who is jealous and is desiring that we run to him. So he loves us so much as to care about our love. And that just like blows my mind. And so those are some three practical ways in which you yourself can do like an internal inventory check. Like, wow, am I loving him above all things? Like he chose me. He bought me with his blood. Am I belonging to the world or am I submitting to him and recognizing that I do not live for the world? I am a servant of Christ. And then am I trusting God? Am I giving him everything in my life? Am I not trusting him with this and this and this, but am I entrusting him with everything? And then how often am I communing with this God that loves me, that wants me to trust him? You know, that that should definitely be the blinkers on our car. If, if our car's not working properly, those lights should come on, right? So I just thought that was like, one, very humbling, but also such a joyous truth to rejoice in, you know? Yeah, that was yeah. encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. Spurgeon always has some good inputs, so I'm glad you shared. <laughs> but um, if y'all don't have anything else to add, I figure we can move right into our IG hot seat. Yes! All righty. Well, for the IG hot seat today, this isn't a funny question. I've just been thinking a lot recently about... God's goodness, his faithfulness to us. And we've talked about faithfulness in a previous podcast, if you want to check it out. Um, But my question for y'all was, what is something recently that has been a daily reminder to you of God's goodness, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, etc.? It could be a verse, it can Mm -hmm. be a symbol, a conversation you had, just something that's reminded you of an attribute of the Lord. Mm. Wow. This might take some thinking. I'll go first. Um, So in my classes that I'm taking for this um, master's program, we're we're just totally wrecking the Old Testament. Like we're studying it pretty in depth, which is awesome. But I have just been completely overwhelmed over and over again at just how the Lord is so patient and so loving and just such a God of redemption. And that is so evident, not only in the Israelites' life, because they were just such a rebellious group of people that just seem to not get the hint. Like, you just need to stop sinning and submit to your God. Like, obey the covenant. Like, please, good heavens, for the sake of everyone (laughs) reading this book, get a grip. But (laughs) it's also so relatable because that's literally our lives today. You know, like even talking about these three attributes in which um, like our, or these three things in which provokes God's jealousy, like our love, our trust in our company, like those are things that the Israelites struggled with in submission. And these are things that we struggle with today in submission. And it's easier, so much easier said than done. Um, like it's easy to trust God about, um, getting food on the table for most of us. Um, not everybody, but 
getting food, getting fed, you know, sleeping and having like a shower. But it's hard to trust God when a bill comes in the mail and you can't pay it or when somebody's on their deathbed or when you get that test result back from the doctor's office. You know, it's like like it's so much easier to say until something like that hits and then your faith is truly tested. But anyway, all that to say, we struggle with the same things today. But knowing that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and knowing that he is a God not of condemnation in which he is waiting for us when we fall, like he's just ready to laugh at us and um, just say, ha, I told you so, or like, you're just so worthless, you can't do anything, which is things that I probably say to myself, you know, like, um, but knowing that he is just always there, you know, always there loving and always there wanting you to come back to him. Um, and he is just slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Like that is just, wow. Those attributes are just something that I myself and just, I'm so undeserving of. And so I think that has just been a humbling reminder for me, um, knowing that about him and just reminding myself about that. I love that. Um, Mine couples well with yours, Alexa, because we've been, I know, talking about this as a trio of just talking through this past year and like how our joy is not contingent on our circumstances. And I think I've just been reminded, especially the past few months, that in things that are really hard and refining fire, we can still have deep, rich joy in the Lord. And we should as believers. And I've just had to remind myself over and over in the Lord, humbling me and convicting me as well, that, you know, I think a lot of our trust, it's easy to trust God when everything's fine. And um, when we are struggling or things hit that are really upsetting or annoying or uh, bring us to our knees, it's, that's when it's hard. That's when things hit the fan and you don't feel like God is near and it's really hard to trust him when you're waiting and you, you know, wish that you could change the circumstances you're in. And I know many people listening probably relate with just, you know, we can joke all day long about 2020 being kind of crummy, but truly like God is in the refining fire and he is not far away from us. And um, that's something that I've been just pondering the past few weeks and how he's gone before us on all things and our trust should not wane or waver when things get tough and hard. We should cling ever so tightly to him in these things that are mm-hmm. frustrating, hard, annoying, things that are hard to wait on and things are hard to, you know, see when everything's muddy in front of our face. So that has been an encouragement to me, just trusting the Lord and finding joy in him and not in what I'm doing, what I wish I was doing, what I wish wasn't happening, but trusting his sovereignty in it. Well, it's always encouraging to hear what other believers, um, what's encouraging them. But mine is two things, but they're really quick. Um, The first is we mentioned a couple episodes back that me and my husband are adopting and uh, adoption can be expensive. And so that's something that I've just been praying mm-hmm. and trusting the Lord in and to see him just already so quickly, um, so quickly providing already for us, whether it's like people buying our bake sale items, or I had a lady in our neighborhood just 
randomly messaged me and say she had adopted some kids before and they were going to do a yard sale and donate all of their funds to us or God providing me a part-time job to raise money. Every single time even a cent comes in towards the adoption, I'm just reminded that like God is providing because he's called me and my husband to this. Um, and the second story was... Um, So last season, last like winter, I really struggled with seasonal depression and I was returning home after visiting my parents for a while and my hometown was just really, really dreary and wet and rainy and I was just down because remembering winter's coming again. Oh my goodness, I hope I'm not going to go through this whole seasonal depression thing again. It was horrible. Um... Well, I went inside and then I came out shortly after and there was a huge full rainbow right in front of my house. Like the biggest rainbow I've ever Mm -hmm. seen end to end. Like I could, it was just the most magnificent one I've ever seen. And I just started crying because I was like, God, I mean, obviously God didn't tell me this, but I was just reminded of like the story of Noah and God's faithfulness and that God would sustain me through whatever would come in the future. And so. Uh, even if it is another season of seasonal depression. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of Imposing Grandeur Radio. Join us next time as we discuss God as provider. Bye. Bye. Bye.